You're listening to the Sam Oye Podcast, the program that uplifts your spirit, renews your mind, and transforms your life with your host, Reverend Sam Oye. I read verse 10 of Luke chapter 13, and he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. On the Sabbath, verse 11, and behold, there was a woman which had the spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bowed together and could not or could in no wise lift up herself. And that's very critical here. And uh, these are the category of individuals I really want to pray with today. I've had this message some times ago and I felt the spirit of the Lord leading me in the same direction this morning. Verse 12, and when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. When Jesus saw her, he called her to him. And sometimes we can be in a hurry and read that scripture and pass the most important part of that scripture, which is that he called her to him. Because I think most of the challenges we have in church, which is the reason why many problems have persisted, is the fact that we call people to church. We call them into the workforce. We call them to the platform for the display of gifts and talent, but we never call them to him. Jesus said, I just want to end up this 18 years of madness that has been on in your life. I see that you come to church, but you've never come to me. To me. And Jesus saw them and said, follow me, me. He saw Peter and James and John and same message to all of them. Follow me. Me. I think it's a great thing for us as you know, as a church, globally speaking now, I speak of the ecclesia and not just your local assembly here. We do a lot to bring people to church. And we go further to do a lot to bring them into departments. We do a lot to also get them into ministries. And we do a lot to get them ordained as pastors who've never been called to him. I don't have all the time, so I'll just touch on a few things and I'll be out of your way. And I'm not in a hurry to, to do a lot of exegesis, exegesis on all the stuff and homiletics and the rest of that. If I will walk on the principle of repetition, I will just stay on that and I hope it just resonates with you. I know you've come to church, but have you been to him? In my growing up days, we used to have this hymn, have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb. So the question is, have you been to him? Okay, fine. You know pastor, but do you know him? Because you see, the, the drive of, of Paul was this, that I may know him. Follow me and I will make you 
It's about you following me. The Bible says Jesus called his disciples. He called 12 of them. Watch this. That they might be with him. And then he might send them forth. The problem in the church today is that we're sending out people who have never been with him. And I know you don't even know how scarce what you enjoy here. I don't know. I just know you don't know how scarce it is because perhaps this is the only place you come to every Sunday, which is what I recommend. You see, if you travel like some of us do, you will know that there is a river flowing here. It's not about drama. It's not about lights. And it, you know, you know, one of the things that I see in churches, it is so much display of lights on the altar, but there is no light in the heart of the people. We dazzle, we do all kinds of stuff. We see everything in church on Sunday except him. We touch everyone in church on Sunday except him. And as a pastor, one of the things that I figured out also is the fact that as a clergy, it's unfortunate, but that's the reality. A lot of us now who are also in the pastorate, fellowship with everything except him. We read the books, we read the commentaries, we go to the schools, we read the Maxwells, we read the uh, Samuel Chans, and we read all kinds of, except read him. And one of the reasons why the ministry of Jesus was very effective and potent was the fact that Jesus will say, as I see my father do it, as I see my father works. Meaning Jesus kept his eyes on the father and not the work. Never forget the fact that someone once said, he said, if the presence of God leaves your church, will you know? When in the first place you're not even aware of its presence. So the presence of a lawyer or, or his absence doesn't make a difference because in the first place it never mattered. So when you have a house that you can come into and have nothing presented before you than him. And trust me, if that becomes your obsession, life will turn around completely. And so, but when Jesus saw her, and I'll come to that in a short while, he called her to him. And, and I just came today as an herald just to perhaps say to you, he is calling you. He's calling you. You're frustrated with church. You're frustrated with Christians. Oh, well, he is now saying, now that you're frustrated with everybody, I'm calling you. Like to spend some time with you. Like to go fishing with you. Like to drive with you. He called out to him. And one of the beautiful things about coming to him is that you will hear him. Because the Bible says, and when he called out to him, 
he said to her. It's one thing for the Lord to say to us. It's another thing for the Lord to say to you. Most times what happens in church is that we hear what the pastor is saying to everybody except what the Lord is saying to us as individuals. And what changes your situation is God's specific revelation to you. Every man whose life has been turned around in history will tell you there was a moment when he came to the Lord and the Lord said to him, Consecration is unique. Unique to the kind of calls and, and giftings that God has given to us. In essence, my consecration is not going to be your consecration. That is why you may, but I cannot because our callings are different. The problem in the church is that these days, we just look at Christians and we just say, look at what she's doing. And if she is doing that and she calls herself a prophetess, why can't I do that when I am not even a pastor and I'm, I'm just... So if a prophetess can't do that, why... Should I stress myself? You see, the reality is she may do that. What God is saying to you is different. Don't forget that Samson happened to be an Israelite. But then the consecration of God on Samson's life was totally different from the consecration on the Jews. And different from that of the Levites. In essence, if you were Samson and you see the Levites, you're likely going to be tempted to give up on your consecration on the occasion of how they live their lives. Because some of the Levites are permitted to marry. But here am I, Samson. I'm not permitted to do some of those things. My hair must not be shaven. Or shaven. Why should I do that? When I see all the other priests, they, shave, they don't only shave. They have all kinds of things on their head. So looking at them, why should I follow the straight and narrow path? You are Samson. And your relationship with him is different from your relationship with them. And what he is saying to you is different from what he's saying to them. They can, you cannot. It's about consecration, it's about call, it's about gifting, it's about the weight of God's glory on your life. Sometimes the question will be how far do you really want to go with God? <laughs> It's all right that we have Levites who spend all of their time at the outer court. Because that's the extent to which they can serve. And then you have Levites also whose consecration takes them into the inner court. And then you have this one whose consecration brings him into the holy of holies. Now those are the kind of people that brings a blessing on nations. In a great house there are not only vessels of silver or gold, wood or earth. The Bible says some are to honor, some for dishonor. And the question is, what are you in this great house? If any man shall purge himself, meaning God does not decide how he is going to use you, your consecration determines your usability. If any man shall purge himself of these things, he shall be a vessel unto honor. And consecration is powered by revelation. The closer you get to the father, the more he reveals himself to you. And the more he reveals to you the things he will want from you and the things he will not want from you. 
And as you respond to the revelation from the Father, it brings you to a place of higher consecration and increases your usability. For if any man shall purge himself of these things, he shall be a vessel unto honor, meet for the master's use. Jesus saw her, called out to him and said to her, woman, you are loosed from your infirmity. Take it on to the next verse, please. And he laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. Take it on to the next verse, please. But the ruler of the synagogue <laughs> answered with indignation because Jesus had healed a member of his church on the Sabbath. I would rather that she observes a rule than to be set, set free. I'm comfortable with her being a member of this church the way she is than to have our life transformed with our rules being broken. to get God and he said to the crowd Jesus said to the crowd there are six days on which men ought to work and therefore come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath I'd like to stop there for a moment because of time father I ask that you take this tongue of mine and make it like the pen of a ready writer cost me to speak a word in season to a man a woman a boy girl who is here in their need of your word let your word come in its multifaceted dimension let someone receive an instruction. Let another receive encouragement. Let someone else receive correction. Whatever it is that your people need, let your word be everything to everyone. We count on your spirit to make this few moments rewarding. In Jesus Christ's mighty name we pray. Amen. God bless you. I just want to share a thought with you and I have decided to title it Bowed but Not Broken. Bowed, but not broken. But before I talk to you, I, I thought it would be nice to first congratulate you on your second anniversary. Um, yes, and, and I did share some times ago that two is a number of unity. And two is also the number of witness. He sent them out two by two. Very critical. When they were coming into the ark, the animals that came into the ark came in two by two. When it was going to start creation, two, Adam and Eve. And then again, one of the things that threatens the enemy to a standstill is unity, two. Because so long as Adam was in the garden alone, the devil was not worried about that. But as soon as the woman came on board, he became threatened by that. Because nothing moves the enemy like unity. If you want to see a church that becomes formidable or that becomes a formidable force in the city, watch out for a church that is highly united. It's a very, very strong thing. I would love to talk about unity, but not on the service because it's going to be an extensive teaching for us to look at the different ramifications of unity in the body of Christ, structural unity, relational unity, spiritual unity, and the rest of that. Because sometimes the call for unity is not properly defined, and so the goal is not achieved. 
But a summary, don't forget this, it's critical that we all mind the same rule. That we all walk in unity. And, and you see, unity sometimes will require that you follow even when you can't understand. Because in the first place, sometimes the man that God has set over you too will receive instruction that he doesn't understand. Sometimes it is in the following, both of your leader and you the followers, it is in the following that we all get to understand. Then shall we understand if we follow on to know. <laughs> so unity is very critical as we come into the second stage of our church because normally also it's in the second, second phase of every church that most troubles usually begin so we all want to move in the same direction mind the same thing have the same spirit it's critical that if two shall agree so two so this is our season of agreement it's important. Two is also the number of witness. In essence, it is from the place of unity that we become a strong witness to the society. That was why I sent them out two by two. And when they came back, they came back with great reports how the devils were subject to two. So I pray that there will be strong, a strong bond of unity amongst us. Between the leadership and the led and those who are led and the leadership. If there are questions in your heart, things you don't understand, don't talk to your colleagues or fellow members in the church. Walk straight to your leadership and say, sorry, sir, I don't understand this. Can you explain that to me? Yeah. You don't want to be caught in anything that has to do with some person's calling you to the side and say, what do you think about what Pastor just said? I, I honestly don't know. <laughs> I came to seek Jesus. I came to seek Jesus. I came to seek Jesus. You want to know what pastor said? Go to pastor. Because normally in order to bring the vision, it always begins with the same principle that Satan operated in the Garden of Eden. It begins with questioning facts and truths. Did you get what pastor just said now? I, I, think, I think pastor was actually trying to make some sense, but it's just that I have this question. Don't you think so? It's all about having a buy-in because Satan doesn't like to fall alone. Lucifer never fell, fell alone. Pulled one quarter. And how did, he, how did he go about that? Went to every one of them asking questions. Don't you think that we also deserve to have some attention? <laughs> and that's how the spirit of this unity permeates the house, penetrates the house, permeates the house, and eventually destroys what God intends to do. Let's keep ourselves away from that, and God will bless us in Jesus' name. A word came to me this morning while I was preparing to come in here, and it's from Revelation chapter 3, verse 7 to 8, and that is a word to the house. And I'll use a message translation. If they have that for you, that will be great. If not, I will just read for you. Message translation, Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. Write this to Philadelphia, to the angel of the church, that's the pastor of the church, or the angelus of the church. The holy, the true, David's key is in his hands. Opening doors that no one can lock. Locking doors that no one can open. Verse 8. I see what, and this is a word from the Lord to this church. I see what you've done. 
Pastor, there's a word from the Lord to us. I've seen what you've done. I've been watching the last two years of this church. Including the ones before the church officially launched. <laughs> he said, I've seen what you've done. I've seen the fast. I've seen the consecration, the sacrifice, the pain. I've seen the dedication to excellence. I've seen how passionate you are about my presence. I've seen what you've done. I've seen it all. Everyone in the media stand and the ushers, the people at the parking lot, the pastors who are interceding, those who are studying the word and, and the music ministry, those who are busy trying to find out they can get songs that will bless them. He said, I've seen what you've done. If someone tells you that God doesn't see, I'd like you to know that part of his name is Jehovah Jireh. And that's a God that shall see to it. Our God sees. Our God sees. And our God rewards. Trust me, your church can only appreciate you. Only God can reward you. You really don't need a thank you from anybody because don't forget what I'm about to read to you as a church. He said, I've seen what you've done, so I'm seeing what you're doing. Everyone here, I'm seeing what you're doing. And listen to what he now said next. Now, DFC in your second year, this is the word of the Lord. Now, see what I have done. Not see what I'm about to do. So my job is to come and announce what's been done. And I'm not here to make you happy. I'm not interested in that. My joy, my joy and my job is to make you know what the now will of the Father is. My assignment is to let you know what the plan of the Father is right now. The Father is saying, now see what I have done. It's about to happen in the natural, but it's done in the spirit. And we need to figure out what that is. And God is not a man that he should lie, not a son of man that he should repent. If he said a thing, he will bring it to pass because his name is faithful. And if the word of God fails, the integrity of God is brought to question. And if we have any reason to question his integrity, then his deity must be questioned. Heaven and earth may pass away, but not a teeter, not a jot from my word. He said, I exalt and I honor my name, my word, above my name. In essence, I, will, I wouldn't mind having my name be rubbish, but I won't let my word be rubbish. I will, I will make my word come to pass. I'm not a man that I should lie, not a son of man that I should repent. If I've said a thing, I will bring it to pass. Listen to what God is saying. He said, see what I've done. DFC, see what the Lord has done. I have opened a door. And that's what I came to announce to this church. It said, I've opened a door not behind you. Wow. 
So forget about lost opportunities. Because the door is not behind you. Am I talking to somebody in the house of God here? The door I'm talking about is not the one that was slammed shut behind you. The door we're talking about here is right in front of you here. And I hope someone is listening to that. The church is listening to that. Whatever mistakes we made in the past, whatever error I made in the past, yesterday ended last night. Is that okay now? This is a brand new day with great opportunities smiling right before our face. It says, see what I've done? I've opened a door before you. Now, the beautiful thing is that no one can slam shut this door anymore. I open this door, no man can close it. So this church is coming to a season of open doors. And I I announce it before it begins to happen. I don't know if I just prophesied to three of you here. And when I say this church, the word spoken on Jacob alights on Israel. So what I say over the church is what is happening to every member of the church. This church has just come into your season of open doors. I said you've come into your season of open doors. In your career, you're going to see open doors. In businesses, you're going to see open doors. In ministry, you're going to see open doors. It's not about what you want. It's about what the Father has chosen to do. I don't know why he loves your church so much. I don't know why he loves you. The truth of the matter is he loves you and has made up his mind to open before you a door. Not because you deserve it. Not because you're perfect. Not because you're righteous. Just simply because he loves you. Somebody shout he loves me. Loves you unconditionally. Loves you just the way you are. Loves you in your imperfection. Loves your past. Loves your present. And loves your future. Loves what you've been. What you are. And what you're yet to become. You don't have to do anything special. To make him love you more. Love you less. This father. His love for you is constant. Is an invariable factor. Somebody shout he loves me. See what I've done. He said, I've opened a door before you that no man can slam short. And then look at the next thing. Look, look, look at why he said he had to do it for you. Look at the reason why God had to open this door for you. He said, because you don't have much strength. If I'm going to wait for you to do it, you won't get it done in a hurry. Because you don't have much strength. You don't have much resources. You don't have much energy. Whatever is the much that you don't have is the reason why he has engaged himself. You don't have much strength. I know that. You used what you had to keep my word. And that's what this church has done. You used the little strength that you had to keep my word. You didn't deny me when times we're off. I may not know too much about the history of the church, but I know certainly if you're going to start any church that means a lot, you're going to go through rough moments. And the father said, I saw all of it. I saw when you were going through rough moments, and yet you held on to the integrity of my word when you had options and when you had opportunities to compromise and get ahead quickly. And I'm speaking to somebody also here. The father said, I see. 
I see all. And, and, I've, and I've seen all that you had to go through. And all that you had to endure because of me. And now the Lord is saying, you come, you've come into your season of open doors. And watch out for the next 12 months. Just watch out for the next 12 months. Just watch out for the next 12 months. You will testify individually of open doors like you've never seen. Families, you will testify of open doors like you've never seen before. Church, this church will testify of open doors like we've never seen before. It's the season we've come into. It's the season we've come into. And I hope you leave here with that word. Oh, well, but somebody's saying, but pastor, look at all that I'm going through. And here's a prophetic word coming to say that's a season of open doors. Oh, well, that's why I have to share with you the story of this wonderful woman. How that adversity always increases just at the corner or at the, just at the moment when your prosperity is about to break forth. How that labor pain increases just when the baby is about to come forth. It's all about to make sense, everything you've gone through. In actual fact, if you're smart enough, take a good look at yourself now and celebrate the moment you're in because you're losing it. Last month, we had a young man in our church who just got married and he, he happens to be someone I know so very well. He, he had a lot of challenges when it came to the issue of marriage. He wanted to get married to a young lady. It turned out that the person he wanted to marry was involved in a cult and she wanted to drag him into the cult. So eventually God snatched him out of her hands and, and he's, he was a very, a very nice young man, very successful in what he was doing in the banking sector and what he's doing in the banking sector. And so we had to work with him for about a year and a half to get him emotionally healed so that he can now be fully ready to get married again. As God will have it, eventually got this beautiful lady in our church who happens to be one of my music leaders in the church. Wonderful lady. And on the day he was testifying in church last, last month, he said, if I had known that this woman was what God had in store for me, he said, all through my waiting period, I would not have been asking questions Making complaints is that I would have been dancing all through. If I had known that this is what God has in store for me. And I came to tell someone today, no matter what you're going through here, you're going to come to that moment and, and you will say, if I had known. Now, let me say this. You don't have to wait to know. You can as well begin to put down some down payments of praise. You can put a down payment of praise ahead of that which is to come. Who staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. Because he was fully persuaded that that which God has spoken concerning him was definitely going to come to pass. Because God is not a man. Why don't you praise God like you will praise God when your man shows up? Why don't you praise God like you will praise God when you hold your baby in your hand? Why don't you praise God like you will praise God when your mortgage is paid? 
why don't you praise God like you will praise God when the school fees the money the monies you've taken why won't you praise God like you will praise him when he's all done Praise is the highest expression of your faith to God. Thanksgiving is the high expression of your faith towards God. Are you listening to what I'm saying here? When you get on your knees and begin to say, Father, I thank you for my car. Now, now listen to me. That is superior to praying and saying, Father, I am asking you for a car. You see, when you go into Father, I'm asking you for a car. You see, there's some elements of doubt, unbelief, and all of that. But when you get beyond all of that, and you say, Lord, I just came to say thank you. Yes, I just, I judge you faithful enough to thank you ahead of time for a car that I'm yet to see. Because I know you are able to the task. That is the reason why God will roll up his sleeves and said if she had thanked me for something I'm yet to do, it means she trusts in my ability. She has confidence in my, am I talking to anybody in the house of God? Somebody shout thank you Jesus. That's what, that's what it's all about. Faith is not just about a confession. Faith is about giving him thanks. Father, I thank you for my daughter, Natasha, that is yet to be born. Lord, I thank you for where we're going to be keeping my baby. I might talk, I'm not telling you what I didn't do. Is that okay? For seven solid years, my wife and I had to wait for the child that God has promised us. God told us he was going to bless us with a baby girl. And then for seven years, we had to wait. And our praise did not diminish. Every night, I will wait up and say father I thank you for Daraline. I thank you for my daughter I thank you because she's going to be a psalmist I thank you because she will minister across the nations of the world thanking him for that which is yet to come which was yet to come when you thank God for that which is yet to come you engage the ability of the almighty God Thank him for your current state. Father, I thank you that now I don't have a job because I know you're bringing something amazing my way. So thank you for the job that is coming. Lord, thank you for this last few days of singlehood because Lord, I see my men coming. Lord, thank you for this last few days in this small apartment because I see something better coming. Lord, thank you for these days of obscurity because now I see that the ministry you've given to me is finding expression. Is there anybody here with thanksgiving on your lips here? Can you shout a big yes in the house of God? I got five minutes more and I'll close it up. Sit down, please. Just five minutes, I'll be out of here. Thank you, Jesus. I come from Africa. By now you should know. <laughs> come from Africa. Come from Abuja. Came from, come from Nigeria. Now there's something about our culture that we love. Something very unique about our culture. That's why if you get to Africa, I'm sure pastor will tell you. We are reckless when it comes to praise. You don't... This morning, I had to stay awake. That's what I do regularly when I'm not in the country. Uh, when I'm not at home, I had to stay awake and worship with them uh, before I go anywhere. And, and that means I have to be awake at about 2 a.m. 
for the whole of this month, the Lord gave us a specific instruction. He said, do nothing except give me thanks, praise, and worship one hour nonstop. Every Sunday, every Wednesday. And we just come into God's presence. Just do nothing but thank Him, praise Him, and worship Him. And then suddenly, the miraculous began to break forth in our midst. Things we have prayed about, things we had fasted about, things we had quoted scripture and sowed seeds about that we never saw happen, all of a sudden from nowhere, pop-ups, pop-ups everywhere. People testifying about the move of God in their lives, escaping all kinds of things. Because you see, in Africa, we have kings. So we understand kingdom. And one of the things about our kings is that if you want to get our kings to do anything for you, don't come to them with request. No, you come to the king. And there's a way we normally, there's a way we normally honor them. We begin with things like, there is none like you, sir. Your authority is unquestionable. What you say stands. And he just sits there. Soaking it all, soaking it all in. Enjoying that moment. And we go on and on. In this land, who is like you? In this land, no one can question your authority. And we just go on and on. It all depends on what we have several tribes in Nigeria. Sometimes when you begin to use, because in English sometimes, these things are weakened when it comes to their import. So we use our dialects. And when we get into that, you see people on the floor. And as we begin to tell the king how mighty he is. We don't come before kings and talk to them about needs. No. That's against the protocol of the palace. So you have people who stand by the king. They will get you out of the king's presence immediately. But when you come in there. And sometimes we go, depending on where you come from in my country. For those of us who are from the western part of my country, we prostrate on the floor. And we tell the king you are this. You are mighty. You are great. And by the time we're done, we just keep going on. It's not like something you have two minutes to do. We just keep going on until it says stop. And the king then stretches out his horse tail. Puts it on us. And says, it's okay, it's okay. And then he talks to us. What do you need? What do you want from me? And, and, and we, are, we are taught in my country to make sure that you are properly organized. Before you appear before the king in terms of when it comes to making your request. You don't have two minutes to do that. You, you don't have all the time to say, well, King, you know, there are problems in the city. Uh, some people did this in Orlando. The other ones moved on to Kirkman. And the, no, 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 no. You don't have time for all of that. That I may see. That I may gain my sight. You're straight. Because there are several other persons waiting on the king. And so when we just say to the king, sir, I want this. The king doesn't need to stand up and do anything. He calls on some of the people that wait on him as servants. Say, go give that one. And, and you know the funny thing about our kings? They are extremely generous. Wow. 
Because they normally will not. If a king gives to you what you ask for is an insult on the king. Because it is assumed that a king should know better than his subject and should be able to know exactly what they need even beyond what the subject is asking for. So our kings are generous and lavish in the way they give. So you can ask a king for a plot of land, an acre of land, and he goes on to say, well, because you made me happy. You see, so they respond to how you make them feel. And he says, give him 10 acres of land. And so as we look at this case of this woman, the Bible says she was bowed low. And I close with this, bowed. And the Bible says that, amazing, sir. I don't have all the time to execute this text. The Bible says she came into the house of God. Because it's been our custom to come into the church, even though I'm still unbowed. And don't forget the Bible says she's done everything to lift up herself. And I came here today, that's, that's the person God sent me to, to today. There's someone under the sound of my voice. There's nothing you've not done to lift up yourself. You've called, you've texted, you've sent emails. You've traveled, you've been with people, you've stayed with people, you've slept with people. There are all kinds of things you've done. Just lift up yourself. Because there is something on the inside of you that tells you I'm more than this. Don't forget that on the inside of this woman, she knows that she's a daughter of Abraham. And as a daughter of Abraham, she's supposed to be standing up straight. She's supposed to measure up. But the Bible later revealed through the lips of Jesus that Satan had bowed her. Making her to live beneath her privileges in God. My question is, who bowed you? My question is, what bowed you? My question is, who bent you? Where did it come from? I'm going to be dealing with some things in the second service. Where did it come from? How did you end up like this instead of this? How is it that you that is destined to fly at this level, how is it that you see crawling on the ground? Bowed. To be bowed means to be bent forward and low. And the Bible says something I love about this woman. Relentless. She said to the devil, listen, if you're not going to leave me, you won't stop my praise. You can bend me, but you can't break me. I may be feeling low today, but I'm not going to stay home. I'm, I'm dragging you to DFC. Am I talking to somebody in the house of God? And the Bible says, although she was bent, she kept on, she kept on coming to the house of God. I will, I, will, I will just find my way to church. No matter how I feel right now, I may not be measuring up. Things may not be happening in my life. Yet the rose petals may not blossom right now. The waves of the sea may not come in my direction and provide me with what it takes for me to glide like a sofa. It may not look like it's my season right now. And everyone seems to be getting ahead of me. But I'm still going to come to the presence of the Lord for all the days of my appointed time will I wait on the Lord until my change cometh I came for such a person this morning there's someone under the sound of my voice you've gone through so much and yet you won't stop coming to God's house she says Satan if you won't leave me I will drag you into God's presence I'll take you there Sickness, if you won't leave me, you won't keep me. 
No, 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 you're, go, you're not going to keep me. I may be homeless, but you're not going to keep me out of God's presence. For in his presence is the fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. I will drag you into the presence of the Lord. And if this Sunday is not my season, I'm going to come on Wednesday. If Wednesday is not my season, even though I'm an adult, I will come for the youth meeting on Friday because the Holy Ghost is not a youth-oriented Holy Ghost. I'll come on Friday. Am I talking to somebody in the house of God here? The woman said, no matter what happens, no matter what's happening in my life, I won't stop going. Go into the house of the Lord. Let me slap someone around you and tell the person, keep on coming. And I close with this. The Bible said on one of those occasions she came into the house of the Lord. Bowed. But not broken. She came in. On that day, Jesus also came in. I hope you won't be absent on the day he comes looking for you. Jesus came into the house. And what I love about that moment. Was that although nobody saw her in that church. He saw her. I don't know your name. I don't know where you came from. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you're battling with from childhood. How long has it been? I don't know what's going on in your home. But the Lord showed me this morning. How that like this woman. Things have bowed you in life. You've not been able to stand straight like you should. Everyone sees you walking up straight. But you know you are living beneath your privileges in God. You know where you should be emotionally, uh, materially, financially, spiritually, but for some reasons. You're functioning below your privileges in God. Daughter of Abraham. I came to announce to you today while the worship was going on. He came in. He is here. I'm talking about the Alpha and the Omega. The seed of the woman promised us in the book of Genesis. The Paschal lamb promised us in the book of Exodus. I'm talking about our high priest in the book of Leviticus. I'm talking about the serpent upon the totem pole in the book of Numbers. I'm talking about the God of Jeshurun who rides upon the wings of the heavens in the book of Deuteronomy. The captain of the army of our own salvation in the book of Joshua. If you check him up in the book of Ruth and Esther, you will find him there as our kingsman redeemer and you will see him as our faithful judge in the book of George. In 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel and 1 Kings and 2 Kings, you will find him to be the faithful king who will never treat us like David treated Uriah. Wonderful father he is. Go through the pages of scripture, you come to the book of Psalms and you find him to be the perfect shepherd like no other person who really cares about one that is missing in the midst of the hundred and will come after you. He is here this morning. And he wants to stretch his hands over you. I came here for somebody who is hurting. And I've been doing everything to deal with it. But you've not been able to. You've done everything. The Bible says she had done everything to lift up herself. But could in no wise do the same. My time is up. I need to stop at this point. You know I was speaking to you. You want to join me on the altar because he is here and he wants to stretch his hands over you would you please come to the altar let's pray together you, you know 
Pastor Sam, you were right in my face. You were talking to me. Please ask him as you come to the altar to touch you. We don't have all the time. I would love to lay hands on you, but we don't have all that time to do that this morning. Can you just ask him to touch you? The Bible says, and he stretched forth his hands and touched the woman and said to her, let him say something to you and make sure you hear him. Don't forget, this is an invitation to him and not to me. If you come to him and keep your gaze on him, he will say something to you that will forever change your life. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to help support the podcast, please share with others, post it on your social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch up all the latest from Reverend Sam Oye, you can follow him on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter at Rev Sam Oye. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode.